certainly in, in the culinary world, I mean, I know it's hard to say and it's hard to do, but the first five, six years, you can't worry about the money. If you take jobs for the money, you know, and not taking the best job, you're, you're going to get stuck. At some point, the, the doors are going to close and you're not going to get the jobs that are, are the better jobs that are out there. Welcome to the Hospitality Mentor Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Turk. Join me as we dive into the personal stories of some of the world's best hospitality professionals. We follow the journey of their ups, downs, and wild turns to find out what it truly takes to make it in the amazing world of hospitality. This episode is brought to you by our podcast partners at Real-Time Reservation. Their inventory management system is best in class for hotels and resorts to manage their non-room inventory. The web-based application allows for creative upselling of overnight and daytime visitors with add-ons and pre-planned packages. Hotel guests and non-guests can reserve cabanas, pool chairs, activities, amenities, excursions, events, day passes, and much more. The real-time reservation platform offers a fully integrated pre-arrival portal where guests are verified through the property management system. Guests can prepay for cabanas and activities through credit card integrations, which are then processed through point of sale. All of our listeners that might be interested in using real-time reservation are welcome to explore the demo at realtimereservation.com. Once again, that's realtimereservation.com. Welcome to another episode of the Hospitality Mentor. You know, I say it a lot, but today I am actually very excited because I have my friend, the Director of Culinary for the JW Marriott Miami Turnberry Resort and Spa here in Aventura. We've got Chef Gordon Mabry. Thanks for joining the show. You're welcome, Mr. Turk. Mr. <laughs> Turk, happy, happy to be on, happy to do anything to help you. I appreciate you very much. So for the listeners out there, we'll get to that part, but uh, Chef Gordon and I worked together for three years at the Lowe's Miami Beach Hotel, but he's worked in some amazing places, and I'm excited to start with you. The first question we always ask is, what was your first job in this, we say beautiful industry, but crazy industry of ours? How did you yeah. get started? I was in high school back in Ireland, in Dublin, and I started um, washing dishes at a place called Casper's, Casper and Gambini's. It was an American-style steakhouse. Um, and on the weekends, Friday and Saturday night, I used to go in and, uh, six o'clock in the evening, I'd finish up school, go there, uh, and start working and washing dishes. Um, and it was, it was crazy. I mean, busy place. And the chefs were, were these almost pirate like kind of characters. They threw the owner out of the kitchen. They threw the, the manager out of the kitchen. I'm like, wow, this is amazing. I was at 16 years of age. You're like, wow, how can I be one of these guys? <laughs> I want to be a pirate. <laughs> That's awesome. And it was, so, it was cool, you know, so I went in, so I used to just do two days a week when I was at school, Friday, Friday and Saturday night, I would get out at two o'clock in the morning, ride my bicycle home. Um, and when I got my first paycheck, all these characters had earrings. So I went and I got my ear pierced and I got home. My, my dad's a chartered accountant. He's a partner in a, in a firm. He's like, what the bloody hell's going on? <laughs> <laughs> so it was like, the, the, it was the beginning of, of this, of, 30 plus years of, of mayhem, but fun. So when you were there, did you continue working there and growing in that I, restaurant? I did. And did so I was, I was, I was kind of like an idiot, you know, so I'd be like, Oh, I want to be the chef. They were like, Oh, great, great. Peel, uh, pick the spinach. Oh, great. I was like, oh, I picked spinach today. Wow. They were like, look at this idiot. <laughs> <laughs> wash the potatoes. Okay. Wash the potatoes. Do this, do that. So I would do my work quickly. I'd wash pots, wash dishes. And then I would go as quickly as I could through that. So I could get in the kitchen and, and do some stuff. So, I did that for probably a little bit before the summer and then all through my summer holidays, three months probably I worked there and then I went back to school. Um, so I gave it up. I was in my final year of school. Um, but the following year I did the same sort of thing um, at a different place, a hotel. And that that's where the chef asked me to stay on as a, as a cook. Oh, so was that, you know, I don't know the equivalent in Ireland. So was that high school or in university? That you it, it was, that was high school. So I was yeah, six, uh, 16 years of age and then, the second summer when I did it, I was 17. So I was just, I had just finished school. Wasn't sure what I wanted to do at a couple of things, hotel uh, management and things like that. So I ended up staying uh, cooking in that hotel and 
the chef there got me into the apprentice program in the in the college. So I used to work four, five, six days a week and go to school one day a week. Wow. How did your family feel about that? Because you mentioned your dad, you know. Yeah, I mean, I'm fortunate. My parents were always very supportive, and my, you know, uh, I'm I was the eldest of eight kids, so probably at the time they're like, what, whatever, you know, he's doing yeah. something, he's not in trouble. But I think they were they were supportive, and they were always, you know, if you're going to do anything, doesn't matter what you're going to do, just be the best at it that you can. So, you know, we we don't want you to be an accountant, we don't want you to be a banker if it's not what you want to do, and you're going to do a terrible job at it. So, you know, yeah, be a chef, but be the best you can work in the best places. So they were always very supportive with that. That's awesome. So you started in that hotel. Is that really what made you really fall in love with the industry? Was that hotel or was it? I did. And it was just the business, you know, so I, I worked at that hotel. It was a Sands Hotel in Port Marnock. And then I got into the Dublin College of Catering um, and just meeting people. Um, some of the teachers I had there, Noel McHugh, Kevin Thornton, um, a gentleman called uh, Peter Timmons, who became a legend. He worked in the United States. He passed away, unfortunately, a couple of years ago. But he was a, a master chef, worked at the Greenbrier. Um, and just from my first workings with him and, and learning from him, um, I fell in love with the business. And I've been in the business since that was 1987. Um, you know, I'm fortunate to work with some great people. But working in that hotel, working and, and going to school, um and just sort of falling in love with everything about the business the great chefs the, the history of food and beverage really i think is what you know the great things that were going on in london at the time with the rue brothers with marco pierre white with gordon ramsay you know he was still a, a sous chef at the time but nicola dennis raymond blanc and uh, just the food they were doing and seeing this and, and buying the books and, and you know just to me it's it's passion that's true. Uh, and you've always I've always seen that from you since I've known you. But as you're coming up, you're in London, right? You're working in these. Yeah. So I worked, multiple I worked, places. In, worked in Dublin. So I worked at Sands Hotel. Then I went to um, a place called the Celtic Muse, which I ended up going back to. It It was a different restaurant later called uh, Les, uh, Les Finas, not a Michelin star. Um, I worked with John Howard at Le Cocardie for two years. Uh, I worked at the Shelburne Hotel in Dublin. So first five or six years of my career, I worked in Dublin, um, you know, all these sort of five-star hotels and Michelin or Michelin recommended restaurants, you know, chef owned 40, 50 seats, change menus every day. But it, it was, I mean, it's not easy back then. We used to go in at eight, nine in the morning and work the spit shift. So you worked lunch and then you got a break in the afternoon and then you went back and worked dinner like five to 11 <laughs> and you get two hours off in the afternoon. And it was, I mean, worthless we either went to the pub or we went betting on horses or we went and played snooker so i mean talk about a misspent uh youth well it was like you go have three four <laughs> four pints and then go back to work and that was sort of normal everyone did it so it was like <laughs> yeah, this is a gang of, of <laughs> yeah. chefs walking oh, the streets in the middle around, of the day yeah oh you're going into these bars or going in you know shooting so the chefs they're pretty good pool players or snooker players and pretty good betting on horses <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm pretty good cooks, but I don't know, you know, it was ridiculous. You look now, if, if characters showed up now, you'd be like, go home. Are you crazy? Yeah, who was this person there, straight out of the, but, one of these yeah, crazy was, Netflix shows? But there was really no uh, HR. I mean, the first time really when I was uh, ended up in hotels in, in Grand Cayman and then in New York, it was like, what is this HR department? <laughs> <laughs> who are they? Before that, it was the, you know, the chef just told you start tomorrow. This is your schedule. Come here, go there. Okay, yes, chef. That was it. There was so no. <laughs> yeah. So you mentioned that transition. So you're in Ireland. When do you head out first? Is that to the first spot at the, in Grand Cayman at the higher? When, when I went, yeah. When I went to Cayman, I went as a cook in '92. Um, so how does that so come? '92. You, you're from Ireland. So you're you're in yeah, Dublin. the Irish. Yeah, the Irish Hotel Federation used to bring people out seasonally. So a friend of mine, a guy I cooked with at, um, at Cafe Clara in, I think, 88, he had gone out there and he was a cook. He'd moved up. He'd become a sous chef. Um, and so every year when he would come back on holidays, he would be like, hey, you got to come out. It's, we're doing some cool things. There's different restaurants. It's, it's amazing. And you're living in Grand Cayman. So I'd be like, no, you know, I'm working in this Michelin star restaurant, working, you know. And it, by the way, in Ireland at the time, it was... I got a set wage. It was like two pounds an hour or two fifty, maybe each year you get a little bit more. 
And when I worked at the, the Shelburne Hotel, the, I got my wage slip and it said 40 hours, 250 an hour, 100, 100 pounds overtime at this rate, no hours. So I went to the chef and I said, hey, I worked 30 hours of overtime last week. He said, yeah, you work too slow. That's why we didn't pay you. Get back to work. So I said, <laughs> yes, chef. And back to work. That's that's it. Because you imagine now. <laughs> Lawsuits. Yeah. Let's yeah. go. Call yeah. my wife. Call my dad. Let's go. <laughs> so I'd be like, oh, yes, chef. Okay. Let me work harder then. Like an idiot. But <laughs> you I know? love it. But um, so I went out to Cayman at the end, November 92. So I got on a plane, Dublin to London, London to Miami, Miami to Grand Cayman. So I started working this hotel, 235 guest rooms, three, four, five different restaurants. One of the restaurants right on the beach. I mean, un- unbelievable. And I got paid, I got paid uh, seven, seven Cayman dollars. So it's about nine, $9 an hour. And I got overtime and I got a part of the gratuity. I was like, wow. First, you know, <laughs> I'm rich. Rich. I'm rich. It was, <laughs> well, what was that like? So when you left Ireland, was your family supportive or were they just kind yeah, of like, I mean, I think it was, you know, so I'd, I'd gone to London. I'd done a, a little, you know, stage uh, in London. I'd worked at Gavroche for a little bit. Um, and then I went to Cayman and it was like, I, I guess the first, you know, month or two is like, I was, I was living in an employee housing, which was nice. I mean, a nice apartment they put me up in. Um, and you're working on the beach and, and every, you know, there's, there's some locals, but most of the people who could, obviously Cayman's a huge banking town. So all the locals want to work in the banks and the insurance companies. So almost everyone in the hotel, certainly in the kitchen, there was guys from Europe, guys from England, guys from South Africa, Australia. I mean, it was amazing. Um, and a, a couple of Irish guys as well. So it was, but it was I mean, busy places, you know, all of a sudden I, mean, I was doing, used to doing, you know, 50, 60, 70 dinners in, in some of the places I worked, 80 maybe. And, you know, at a hundred, the wheels are coming off and you're like, you know, everything is, is fine dining, cooked to order. And then, you know, the, the beach club restaurant that I first went in, in season, we do 300 covers for dinner. And I'm like, oh, I better wake up here or I'm going to get sent, sent back to Ireland pretty <laughs> yeah. quickly. So, but it was amazing. And the people were, everyone was, because everyone was away from home. So it was amazing. You know, we played, uh, they had a golf course, employees were allowed to play. They had, the, the hotel also owned Red Sail Sports, so we could go water skiing, um, played golf, tennis, water skiing, soccer, beach volleyball. I mean, it was, and then you finish up at 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night, go to the bar. They weren't open late, 12 o'clock, one o'clock, a couple of beers. I mean, it was, it was unbelievable. It, they, the friends that I made there still, so I was there for a cook for, as a cook for a year and a half. And then I went back in 95 as a sous chef, but it was, I mean, the experience, the, the product, the, what we were doing at the time um, was amazing. The people I worked with from literally all over the world. Um, I learned to scuba dive there. I learned to water ski there. Uh, we played soccer in a business league. Um, so it was, I mean, you talk about work-life balance. It was good. I was, I lived three minutes from the hotel. Um, and I worked, you know, probably 50, 55 hours a week, but literally from sun up to sun, sundown, there was something going on. So you were um, there, you were there a long time, six years on the yeah, island. Yeah, I was there right? Yeah, year and a half, year and a half as a cook. And then three years, a little more than a year and a half and then a little over three years as a sous chef. So, um, so it was amazing. I mean, I would have stayed, um, but just, uh, from a career point of view, I got a, an opportunity with Hyatt to move. So I went, that was another story. I went from Cayman. It was, you know, 200 and yeah, this 250, is interesting. 50, 250 room hotel, um, beautiful Island, three minute commute, ride a bicycle. I mean, amazing 30,000 people on the Island. And they say, oh, we have great opportunity for you. Would you like to go to New York? Sure. Garmage Chef, 1400 room hotel, union property. Um, <laughs> and not a, not a three, you know, so I, I've often, you know, you know, I always say yes to stuff, always. And it's, you know, even to this day, I meet customers and they say, oh, it's a black tie dinner. Can you do this? Can you do that? I say yes. And then I come back in the kitchen and the, the chefs want to murder me. Yeah. There was one time in Phoenix, they were like, oh, they want to do steak frites for dinner. They're tired of this, tired of that. I said, steak frites, no problem. We can do it. Okay. How many people? 800. No problem. I go back <laughs> in the kitchen. No problem. Steak frites for 800. The banquet <laughs> chef who I'd worked with in, in Florida before, he's like, are you out of your mind? 
How do you plan to do that? I said, I don't know yet, but we're going to figure it out. <laughs> and we did it. We, we rented fryers and we hand cut all the fries. We cut the fries, we blanched the fries, and we did steak frites for 800 people. Amazing. But, Same day. You know, you know it's, so it's, the, there's a lot of stuff that you, you know, you say yes and figure it out later. So I end up in New York. I'm like, oh, Garmage chef. I've got two sous chefs, 14 cooks, union property. I mean, doing $6 million a month in banquet business. And you're like, and I was on a visa, so you know what? You better figure it out or you're going. Yeah, so that your was ass, my question. Your, your yeah. ass is back to Ireland pretty quickly. So, <laughs> yeah. so you left Ireland, you're at Grand Cayman, living the dream life, right? The, living the dream. People. I mean, it was, it was amazing. I mean, we played, I played soccer, out, you know, outdoors, 11-side soccer one day a week. We played indoor soccer one night, played golf, played, you know, it was amazing. And worked and put out some, you know, I mean, some of the guys that I worked with have gone on to do, you know, some stayed with Hyatt, some moved. Uh, one guy was at Sheraton Inn on the park in, in Australia. Another guy still with Hyatt to this day. But these guys were, I mean, out of London, out of Austria, out of Switzerland. I mean, so, you know, playing and doing amazing stuff on our days off, but then on working was with some of, you know, some of the amazing guys um, right. all from and learning stuff from all around the world. It was amazing. But then you leave, you go to New York, which is your first time in the U.S. working, right? First time in the U.S. So I, I traveled a little bit through the States. When I left Cayman as a cook, I traveled around through the States, which really, I, I um, got a ticket. It, was, it allowed eight flights, eight internal flights in the United States. It was on a, a company at the time called U.S. Air. So I went in, in 94, I went to Miami, Orlando, New Orleans, uh, San Fran, Vegas, um, Chicago, Boston, New York. And I spent about four, five, six days in each city. And cool. it was amazing. So I spent, it was, a, you know, eight, eight at um, Market Aquavit in New York, eight at Rialto in Boston, eight at uh, Paul Prudhomme's in, in New Orleans. I mean, just amazing. And you know, I think at the time, I think, you know, very, um, I didn't really understand. And I think a lot of people from Europe, they didn't, they thought, oh, America, yeah, I'll go, to, uh, what are they going to cook a burger? I remember one guy telling me he worked at a seafood restaurant in, in New York when I was in Ireland, probably in 87, 88. And I was like, I, I could, it doesn't even make sense to me. A seafood restaurant in New York, what are you talking about? But you know, an idiot, you know, and until you experience some of these things. And then I traveled around the States and I was like, wow, amazing. So when I got back to Ireland, I worked. And when the chef called me from Cayman, he was like, hey, I've got a, a sous chef job. Are you interested? And I was like, you know what, if I go there as a sous, uh, there's maybe I can move with with Hyatt, um, which is what I did. I came to the country then on a L1A visa, which is basically if you're a manager with a U.S. based company outside the U.S. So I was a sous chef or a manager with with uh, the Hyatt in Cayman. So that's how I came to the States. So I showed up in New York, you know, 1400 room hotel. I had my, you know, two suitcases and um, I'm like, Let, let's do this. But it was <laughs> it was it was brutal. <laughs> I got my ass beat a few times and it was, yeah. like, you know, a, a department that I, you know, I'd spent some time in, I'd done some bits and pieces of it in Cayman and I've done some bits, but to run a department like that, that is, you know, all the cold, all the, uh, all the fruit, all the dressings, everything that's, that's cold banquets, two sous chefs, 14 cooks, all union uh, in a busy place. It was, it was tough. It's hard. But, and so for people who are listening, who don't know the kitchen, cause there's a lot of people who don't, Garmage, how would you explain that to somebody? It's it's basically the it's the it's the cold production kitchen for the hotel. So all salads, salad dressings, mayonnaises, and everything to do with cold, the cold side of banquets. Sandwiches, sandwiches, fruit platters, parfaits, um, terrines, amenities for guest rooms, fruit platters. Yeah, everything. <laughs> everything, everything, basically yeah. cold meats, charcuterie. Uh, cheese display. So it was, I mean, it was no joke. So yes. uh, I got, you know, I learned pretty quickly. And I, I tell you though, one of the, every place I've gone, I've learned something. And the biggest takeaway from that still to this day was what I, I had to learn to delegate, you know, before that you're, you know, smaller kitchens, you had to, you had to work and get a lot done yourself. Now you've got 14 people. And I remember, you know, you're writing lists, production lists for these people. And because they were the union, they, they, you know, they were amazing. Two things I learned there. One is that you, you, you treat people respectfully, whatever. And one of the ladies, she, you know, she used to joke, she said she was my, my mother in, in America. And she was this lady from, from uh, Trinidad. 
but you know she could be a real pain as well i one day i had on her list to make raspberry dressing so the next day i came in and i said i don't see him. where's the raspberry dressing so when she came in later i said what happened you didn't do the the raspberry dressing yesterday and she said well i i didn't but you know i had the oil i had the 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 raspberry puree i had the raspberries i i had the raspberry vinegar but i didn't have the honey so i didn't make the dressing i'm like well you couldn't go and get the the honey mm-hmm. she says well no so i so that's where i thought well hold on i mean i can be an ass and then say well but then i look in the mirror and say well who's to blame I didn't provide her with all of the product to get her job done. So guess who's to blame? I am. And a few years later, when I worked at the peninsula, the general manager there, a Swiss guy, told me there's no such thing as a bad employee. It's always a bad leader. So now I always say to the guys, if there's a problem, the first place you should look is in the mirror. What could you have done differently to change this situation? That's great advice. And I want to get back on your track of getting to the peninsula because I'm curious about that spot. So you're with Hyatt. You're there nine years in total, right? You come to the U.S. Yeah, and I come to the U.S. I worked three years with them. And there there was some opportunities to move with them. There was a couple of things came up. But, you know, I'd worked in some good places, you know. And I was also, you know, probably a punk-ass kid a little bit. And, you know, I've worked in Michelin star places. And I've worked here and I've worked there. And I worked in Grand Cayman, which was at the time, you know, one of Hyatt's best um, resorts. And here I am in in New York City in a 1,400-room hotel. We just opened up a new restaurant. I was the restaurant chef there. I was the banquet chef. And then, you know, they wanted me to go, you want to be the exec sue in Albuquerque or you want to be the ex- exec sue in Kansas. And I'm like, no, I can run those hotels. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to run those hotels. I'm not going to go there, exec sue. Come on, you got there's got to be something better. And, and that's the way Hyatt works. You go to some of these places because they, you know, not everyone wants to go. So you go and you do your two years there and then they'll move you on. But, you know, I, you know, I need something better. This is, this is average. I had said to them, hey, will you help me sponsor a green card? And they said, no, we only usually do it for chefs. Um, and I said, well, I'm a chef. And they said, well, you're a sous chef. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, so I said, oh, no problem. You know, if you pay for this or pay for that, so I don't, you know, maybe I can sign something and stay with you for a few years. They didn't want to do that. So I was a little bit... You know, I'd say hey, I've been with you guys for, you know, seven, eight years. Um, so I ended up leaving and I went as exec sue to the to the crown in Times Square. It was owned by Morgan Stanley at the time, and they wanted to do a big renovation and, and redo the hotel. And uh, it was a 800 room hotel um, right in Times Square, 48th and Broadway. And I went there. I, I went there in August of 2001 oh, and man. they had all these great plans and they were going to do this and going to do that. And obviously, September 11th happened and I was actually fortunate to keep my job. Um, some people got laid off and it was, you know, a pretty crazy time. And we were right in Times Square. So, I mean, we were, I don't know, five miles from the from the towers. So that was, you know, a, a crazy, crazy experience, crazy time. So I stayed. I was with them for about a year. Um, and then an exec sue job came up at Peninsula. So I'd applied to that, spoke to them, got the job. Um, and, you know, probably one of the best companies I worked for. So I, I was with them for five years. Exec sue, I started in uh, September, October of 2002. Um, and then was promoted to exec chef of that property in April of 2003. Um, amazing. 240 room, five star, five diamond, you know, yeah, considered one of the uh, best hotels in the world, right? So well, yeah, that, right? Uh, yeah, one of, I mean, certainly, I think last year or two years ago, they became the first brand that had every single hotel in their portfolio was all five-star, five-diamond. So the Peninsula and Manila finally got their fifth star. So, for, so Ritz doesn't have that, Four Seasons doesn't have it. So first company in, in the world that had, you know, all hotels within their their brand to be five star five diamond but amazing i mean from afternoon teas to you know high-end you know zagat rated restaurant uh, i mean it was it was phenomenal great experience and, that, and that's a different pressure right that's a different pressure going it from is because and it, was, peninsula. It, it is and it was you know everything which it, it was back to what i'd really done in ireland back to what i'd done in you know at the beginning of my career and just high quality um, and the cooks were amazing. I mean, some uh, some guys who'd worked with Peninsula in Hong Kong who'd come to the states. They were there. They, they were. It was union, but you know, they 
they were there to work they were there to do a job they were there to put good food out and the, the small banquets you know 30 40 people we had six meeting rooms uh, amazing afternoon tea amazing room service everything done in-house all the pastries all the desserts all breakfast pastries all the tea breads um everything done in-house i mean it was it was spectacular what do you remember from there is like something that's really stands out i don't think i've ever asked you this and all the time i know you like that it was like wow that was something amazing that you've had this whole career now that you were doing there that's i mean really i think stands out yeah, and I think when we, you know, I started there as execsu, and the, the the chef was a was a Swiss guy, and we we changed the concept from used to be a sort of very French restaurant called Adrian, and we changed it to Fives because that hotel and that restaurant sat on the corner of Fifty Fifth and Fifth, so it was a little bit more modern American. And I think it was in I don't know if it was O three or O four we got you know Zagat rating. I think it was. 26 27 for food quality which is you know up there with some of the best restaurants in the city which you know it was amazing i mean the food we were doing the desserts that we were doing the pastry chef was a rising star with with uh, star chefs uh, i mean we were we were working we were putting in hours the, the concierge was you know they would bring us out oh we got an invite to come to this restaurant i mean it was just and it was it was happening I mean, people wanted to people wanted to talk to you people wanted to see what you were doing people I mean, it was it was a good good place to be. Um, great hotel, um, and one of the things that I, I did when I was there, the the company um, put me through. Some of the classes were online, and some of them were in person. It was through Cornell. Uh, it was a master certificate in fundamentals of hospitality, and so there was nine different modules. So six we did online, and then three I spent a month a month in Hong Kong in '05. And they brought the the lecturers from Cornell, um, and there was two or three people from each of the the peninsulas all around the world came to Hong Kong. We went to classes during the day. We went out to night markets, to restaurants in Hong Kong, and it was it was amazing. I mean, one of the um, an amazing experience. And that that hotel company was was unbelievable. I mean, the guy who owns it, all he wanted was all the hotels to be five star. He didn't matter what it cost. He didn't care. It was just this. You know ambition he had and it was it was amazing and i probably i probably would have stayed with them you know at the time there was really no expansion the chef in chicago had been an exec who promoted there i'd been promoted in new york and the chef in beverly hills was promoted but they had nothing nothing else had opened and then now you know they've opened obviously they've opened in in shanghai they've opened in tokyo uh they're opening in paris and in london and they're going to open in istanbul so when I was with them, I was with them for almost five years. Mm-hmm. They didn't open one thing. It was very, it was a small company, you know, six, seven hotels. But now with those, those um, additions, I mean, it's, it's an amazing, amazing hotel company. Yeah, you're part of the original crew there. But then, you know, you're at the five star, five diamond, and then you somehow make this move to the four diamonds and more. Four diamonds and more at the Lowe's. So <laughs> the Lowe's so Miami was, Beach. How did that happen? So, I'd been in New York at that time for nine years and New York, you know, it's a tough city. So you live in a small apartment, you pay high rent, you pay high taxes. We change the menu seasonally, you know, small, small hotel. I mean, quality, but it was like, okay, you know, I, I, I ran pool and beach in Cayman as a, as a sous chef. We, I did Garmanger at the Hyatt. So how do I take some of those other skills that I've learned and apply them at a, at a, you know, in a larger property? And so I was looking and I spoke to a couple of different people. And when the, the Lowe's job uh, came up in Miami Beach, I spoke to um, a, a friend and a mentor of mine, a, a gentleman called, called Ellis O'Connor. He had been the hotel manager at the Peninsula and he'd left. He became the general manager at the Gramercy Park. So I said to him, what do you think? And he was he said to me, listen, he said, there's a lot of hotels out there, but there's not a, a lot of hoteliers anymore. And the Tish family and Jonathan Tish is a true hotelier. And he said, so he said, I think it's a good opportunity. Go and explore it, see what they have to say. Um, but he said, you know, that's it's a good hotel company. So off I went. I came down to Miami. I did a tasting and I met um, this very charismatic uh, gentleman called Jeff Klein, yep. who was at the time the F&B director. And again, one of those people that you meet and you feel like you uh, knew forever. Uh, and also at the time, the general manager of the hotel, Charlie Hines, was this amazing, amazing general manager, amazing uh, guy in hospitality. And so when I got offered that job, it was like, you know what, I'm going to 
I'm going to take it because it's good opportunity. See something different. I've been in New York for nine years. You're never going to, you know, New York is driven by Wall Street. And so even though I was the chef at the peninsula, I was making good money as a chef, but compared to the, you know, four or $500,000 that the characters were making on Wall Street, you know, I was living like a college kid, you know? So I lived in this, you know, I think probably, I don't know, four or 500 square foot apartment. You're paying 40% in taxes. You, you spend the rest of the money eating out, you know, that you're never going to, where was I going to buy, buy somewhere, you know, a two hour commute in, in Long Island or Westchester. It just, it was, it was, you know, time, time, I felt a little bit time to grow up um, and also make a move. You know, the, the peninsula, because of that demands at, at that level, I mean, it was, it was, I was working six days a week, 80 hours a week type of thing, because it was, it was all hands-on. Pastry chef was amazing. Exec Sue was amazing. And when I left the exec suit, he took over. So, I mean, that was also through my career. I've tried to make sure that as I've moved on, that the team is set up for success and the team is ready and they didn't miss a beat. So, so Tom took over from me there. I came down to Lowe's. Um, and again, same, I mean, just an amazing team um, that I walked into and a, and a team that we kept together and we built upon with the addition of Frederick and some people that we hired, Rene in pastry, um, you know, so there's a few changes the first year I was there because don't forget, I took over from Mark Erler. So Mark was a, this amazing, he's a French master chef. He'd opened the hotel. He'd been there for nine years. So I'm sure when I came on board, they were like, oh, whatever. Here's this Irish character. Um, he's not a French master chef, blah, blah, blah. And I mean, I think that was one of the things that helped. I come out of Peninsula so that I had that on my resume. I'd worked in Michelin star places. But and Mark was the corporate chef, you know, so he would come back and, um, I remember years later talking to him. He was he was very um, impressed with what I had kept doing and some of the things that I had changed and how I had, you know, turned the team around. You know, I think as I walked in there, there were probably there was a lot of them that was like, oh well, this isn't Chef Marcus. Mark wouldn't do it this way. But you know, and that's where I think I began to have you know I explained why we were making the changes, what we were doing differently, why we were doing that, and got buy in from the team, and so. You know, very well respected, very well supported there. Um, I, I spent almost four years there. Uh, yeah. It was a great team. I mean, you, John Rogers, Jeff Klein, Susanna. Um, I mean, just quality people throughout, you know. Yeah. Brett, Ray, Brett Rayon was, was cooking in Preston's, an amazing guy. Jean-Luc. Um, I mean, there was, there was good people there. And it was, you know, for the size and volume we were doing, I mean, 35-odd million in food and beverage, what we put out was quality. Yeah, if you look around, it's true. You see all the names that were part of that crew. You have several GMs. You have several corporate people. You have several exec chefs. You have several yeah. movers and shakers. You have a, a podcast host in Steve Turk, right? So yeah, well, <laughs> and I mean, from I mean, I think the first time I met you, it was like I remember talking to a few people and saying, oh, "This guy, this guy is young." And in, in the hotel business, it doesn't matter who you are, how much you've learned. You, you've got to get stuff done. It's kind of like the army, I guess. You got to get stuff done. And every project you took on, you got it done. So it didn't matter that you were, you know, you're less experienced than some people. You've got to get stuff done. You, and a team, you know, expects that and and respects it. So it doesn't matter, you know, just because you move up, to, you know, and that's one of the things at the moment, you know, someone like Jeff Klein, I mean, when you stop by a few weeks, so he's around, the guy is on the floor. Yes. And he knows everybody's name. He knows what they do, what what their strengths are, what their weaknesses are. And I think that's, that's hospitality. Yeah. You gotta be around. You gotta be willing to sacrifice certain things to get things done. And that's what I learned. I think right. hanging out with you. So as that was coming up, I'd never told you this, I don't think, but it, we, we had something called the wine and food festival there listeners. And it's yeah. a big festival and all the celebrity chefs are around. And I'm, I'm going to ask you for maybe your favorite memory, but I remember seeing all these guys like, wow, and chef Gordon's in there with them taking pictures. I'm going to be a chef. Right. And so for I think like three weeks, <laughs> I was like, I'm going to do this. And I remember coming to your office. I was like, I'll come in my days off. Let me get a chef jacket. And then now listen to your story. You do what those pirates in Ireland did to you. You put me to chop, <laughs> you put me to chop tomatoes and peel spinach. And then he put me on the grill to like grill chicken for banquets. I was like, this is awful. There's nothing cool about this. <laughs> I'm out of here. And that, but, but that's the story. It isn't cool. And, and so, yeah. you know, the, the, the food network and, and, and all the celebrity stuff has done, it, in some ways they've done 
a lot for the industry, but in some ways they've done a disservice for the industry because it's blue collar work. And these characters have glamorized it. And you get characters coming out of culinary school and they say, oh, I want to be on the Food Network. So you want to be an actor, go to Hollywood. Go to LA, go to Hollywood and be an actor. This isn't an act, we're working here. Yes. So you want to be on TV, go on TV, but this is work. And it doesn't matter, you know, you're a cook three, you're a cook two, you're a cook one, you're moving up the ranks. You just got to take on more stuff. Just because you're the sous chef now, doesn't mean you don't do what you did. You do the cook three's work and the two's work and the one's work and your own work. Yes. You know, and so it's, yeah, it's not glamorous at all, but they, they you know, some of these TV shows, they, they make it glamorous or they, <laughs> yeah. you know, but it's, it's, they... it's hard work. It's fun. It's hard work. Yes. And, you know, I learned my lesson there very quickly after he had me on the grill. So I thank you for putting me on the grill and sweating it out <laughs> for doing that. Uh, he sweated your dreams away. Yeah, right away in three weeks, gone. You were doing a great job there. You built an awesome team. I had Chef Frederick on the podcast. So listeners, you have heard his story. He mentions how Gordon really inspired him and helped him to, to grow. So he gives you a big shout out. So he was amazing. And I mean, I think what had happened when I got there, the exec sous Raphael was amazing. Um, and he'd worked, he'd worked in Vegas. He'd worked in at the Phoenician. Uh, he, he came up as, as a, as a cook in, in Lowe's and then he'd gone on and done some stuff and he came back as the exec sous. And so he was there when I got there, he worked, we worked together for about a year and then he had a great opportunity. He did the opening of the W in Fort Lauderdale. Yep. So he went there as the chef and he opened 954 and he opened that hotel. Amazing. I mean, a great, amazing guy. So when he left, he left after wine and food, I think, oh, eight. And so we were looking for an exec zoo and we'd met people, met people, interviewed. We'd done tastings and didn't get the culture, didn't understand it, you know, hadn't worked in the volume or, or whatever it was. And so uh, Sarah Muroff, who was the PR director at the time, she was like, oh, I used to work at the National Hotel. The chef there, Frederick, he's, he's looking for, for something for next sort of steps, and, you know, so I said, I'll have a chat with him. I don't know what he's looking for. You know, I don't know if he'd be interested in exec sue. He's the chef over there, um, but I'll have a chat with him. So he came in that afternoon and literally two minutes into the conversation, I felt um, that I'd known him for 20 years and we hit it off. We talked about this. I mean, he's amazing background. This guy worked in Michelin star places all over Europe. He worked at Jules Verne at the Eiffel Tower. He worked at a uh, two star place in Germany. You know, and he had, I mean, amazing. And we just, it, it was unbelievable. And it was like, so you, you want to come here as exec sue or, um, and, you know, the, the money was pretty much the same for the exec sue with us as he was making at the national. So he said, you know what, this is an opportunity to learn and grow, see some bigger stuff. Um, and he came on board. This guy was, it was, this guy is amazing because he, He's not a usual French kind of character. And so, so if there's French people on there, I do apologize. But there, <laughs> he came in, he's like, this guy's funny, humorous. I mean, some of the, the pranks and the jokes and some of the stuff he used to do was, was outrageous, you know? People would leave their computers open. He would go, he would send emails from their computer, bizarre emails, send to purchasing, oh, we need some elephant for tomorrow. And they'd be like, what? And you <laughs> he know, did it to me. He did it to me. <laughs> he, this guy went to my computer and placed an order for a hundred sombreros to be overnight <laughs> shipped. <laughs> and they started yelling at me. I was like, I don't know what anyone's talking yeah. about. <laughs> yeah, he did stuff. He's, you know, he, um, but he mentioned this oh, when, oh. when he was interviewed on the, on the podcast, he talked about you and he, and he so it's funny to hear your part of the story and put it together because he's like, you know, I wasn't sure I wanted to leave the national. I was number one. I wasn't sure I'd be number two. And then Sarah Murov convinced me and I go in and I see this angry rugby player in his office yeah. <laughs> and we started to talk. I wasn't, I didn't want to like him, but then I knew I, like, I felt like I knew him for so long. <laughs> yeah. He was but, amazing. I know when he, he came, you know, he came on that summer, we worked together for, uh all about two years you know we we cooked at the james beard james beard house together you know and so when i left there it it was a no-brainer i mean at the time the the gm sean hover and the the hotel manager alex they were like you know who's around town who do you think and i'm like i don't know why you're looking around town just promote frederick so of course you know they need to do the due diligence they spoke to a couple of people and a couple of months later they did promote him and so it was you know to me 
you know, I explained to them, listen, he's already been the number one over at the, at the, the national. So he has that experience. He's been here. He knows the people. The guy's amazing. He can cook. You know, one of the, one of the best cooks I've ever worked with and just the, the right guy. And, you know, if you look at that hotel, it opened in, I think, 98 or 99. They've only had three executive chefs. So they that's had true. Mark, they had myself and they had and Frederick. So that, that in itself, I mean, that's, I mean, yep. he's he's done an amazing job there. Amazing. So it'll be interesting to see who comes after. He shared his story of his cancer fight and his battle. Yeah, and you know, which through, he was, but... it was it was back, and then it came back again. And you know, sad, but I'm I'm mean, glad. But you know, I think his humor um, pull, pulls him through, and hopefully he'll. You know, we talked a little bit. Hopefully, maybe he can go back to Lowe's and maybe do the opening for them at, in Carl Gables or something yeah. like that. But we'll see. I mean, it's it's. Yeah. Uh, He's a, he will, he's a good guy. He will be bounced he back. He'll bounce back yeah, for, for sure. sure. But let's get back to you now. So I want to hang out at Lowe's a little longer because Wine and Food Festival to me was where, to me, that was like one of the coolest things being at that hotel. If you're in food and beverage, everyone that's food and beverage is there. Yeah, we had Super Bowls and, you know, all these celebrities. But that was, I think, where you got to shine, I think, in many yeah, and it was. Eyes. I mean, we did, we did, we were the host hotel. So we did the tribute dinner. We hosted all the chefs. We did all the chefs that were doing demos on the beach or cooking at other places. Uh, did all of their prep at the hotel, so we had you know we had everyone there. Yeah, so, so for, li- was... for listeners, just to set the scene, you would wake up in the morning and start breakfast, and every personality you see on TV, plus all of like the Michelin star level chefs, are sitting in your restaurant having breakfast, and then they're hanging out together and drinking all day, and they and doing shows all the weekend. They're having a good time, and you or the exec chef of that hotel organizing it all. Yeah, and, it, and at the time, I mean, it wasn't just Food Network. I mean, you had people, I mean, real, you know, M- Michelle Richard and Bobby Flay and... Um, Charlie Trotter was there. Charlie, yeah, I mean, there was, it was, um, and everyone was there, you know, so it was, I mean, I remember one, Michelle Richard did his, his uh, tomato tartare. So he wanted Florida tomatoes. We bought him the Florida tomatoes. We FedEx them to Washington. That's where he he peeled them, he processed them, and he FedExed them back. I mean, this was the type of foolishness that we did to make sure these guys had the product and the time to do what they needed to do with stuff. But it was there was a lot of logistics at the time. I mean, it was your all of this stuff. You've got the five chefs for the tribute dinner, but you've got guys there using your kitchen to prep for beach demos, for this, for that. It was, I mean, a lot of stuff. I, I mean, the, the preparation started back in. October, you'd be sending out emails, introducing yourself, seeing what they needed, seeing how you could help. But it was amazing. We would put up all the pictures and the bios of the chefs. And I mean, it was it was cool. And so to be a chef there, to be a sous chef there, to be a cook there, it was it was inspiring. You know, um, yeah. I remember I'm probably the, one of the best one of the best people, you know, Bobby Flay. We did one of the tribute dinners. He, he was he was a partner. And so. It was, you know, you, you reach out to some of these chefs and you get all the information you want and no problem. They're very easy. Bobby was a pain trying to get the information. You're like, do you need this? Do you need that? Oh, you wouldn't hear back for weeks. And then all the product came in and some of the sous chefs and, and, and cooks came to help, you know, prep the stuff. And we didn't see him. We said, okay, well, he's you know busy doing this, busy doing that. When he came in to do that dinner that night, he jumped in, he helped with this, he helped with that. He had a, he had a, a lamb dish. And so, but he helped with every dish. He, he prepped and helped with everybody's dish. He helped on the line, he played it up. Uh, and I remember, you know, plating up that dinner at 600 people and it's all, you know, tray carry plates, five plates per tray. We've got four double lines. I mean, you're plating each course in, in under 10 minutes. So I remember his course and it was a, a, a sweet potato, uh, gratin that he, he uses chipotle in which is you know um i stole that idea so you know beg <laughs> borrow and steal from but put chipotle in the cream amazing i mean just the sweetness of the of the sweet potatoes and then the little bit of spiciness from the chipotle is amazing so but you know we do his dish and it was amazing and i said okay stop 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 he comes running over what's what's wrong I said nothing's wrong we're we're finished he's like it's like seven minutes I said yeah he said you've served 600 people say yeah so you know we don't always do what some of these guys do but they don't do what we do as well so there was right. always great respect but then he jumped on he said what's what's the next course it's dessert let me help i mean he was amazing this guy was you know the minute he got on property he was 
it was it was unbelievable. And then you 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 realize that some of the the delay in getting stuff back, he's busy. I mean, this guy's running multiple restaurants. He'd opened in Atlantic City. He was doing a ton of stuff, and it just you know, it was just a, a time issue. It wasn't him being being an ass or anything like that. So it was just you know amazing from someone that you thought, well, this guy's maybe a bit pompous or maybe a bit you know arrogant. That that's not the case at all. I mean, probably one of the one of the best dishes, uh, one of the most hardworking guys, one of the most involved in everything we did. It was amazing. It's true. And and for Bobby Flay, if you're listening out there, it still holds true <laughs> because uh, you did it at the Eden Rock when I was at Nobu Eden Rock. He was on the line cooking his meal. No other chef did that. And he did it the following year. He was everywhere. Yeah. So I give him yeah. all the respect in the world. One of my favorite pictures I have of you, which I got to send you, is you, Mario Batali, Emeril Lagasse and Guy Fieri all like standing around like buddies. And then they're, the next picture I have, I think they thought you were Chef Peter. Chef Peter's like yeah. a picture with all these guys. And Chef Peter's like the pool and beach chef, great guy, but just kind of slid into a picture with all these guys. But it <laughs> but was it, cool. And they were, yeah. they were always respectful and guys got pictures. And, and even after I left, you know, when I came, you know, a few years later, I came back and I helped out. I helped Frederick with that dinner and I brought some of the international students with me when I was back at Turnberry. And it was just amazing. I mean, these guys, they wanted, you know, the, the chefs were, were super friendly and, and engaging and, and wanted to talk to cooks. It was, it's, it's a good, it's a, the whole thing is an amazing week. Yeah. So if anyone has a chance, make sure you try and come down. If you're a cook, reach out to the hotel. They take on a lot of students and FIU does. Yeah. I think you'll really enjoy it. But let's talk about now the transition, right? So we all left Lowe's around the same time. There's a lot of things yeah, happening I left, at that yeah, time. I, yeah, I left the summer of, 10 so i ended up i ended up doing a uh, a gig with uh, wayne malagon up in south carolina i went up and did a, a consulting job with him at the woodlands and Five wayne malagon was times. our food and beverage director he left then chef left i left all like back to back to back and yeah and sometimes you, you see that in hotels right you get a group that has been together for a few years and you know it's just time for for a change and time yep. for um, so I went up, I did a thing in, in Charleston with him at this 11 room or 15 room in five star, five diamond, amazing. Probably some of the best food I've cooked in America. So I did that for a little bit while I was waiting to start at PGA resort, PGA in the summer, it's Palm beach gardens. Um, it's West of the turnpike it's North Palm beach County. So they were like, when, you know, do you mind if you, you know, start in September, October? And I said, that's fine. So I went, I think August and September, I went up and. They were ownership was transitioning at this uh, small inn that had opened in the 90s, um, independent type place. And then it was owned and managed by uh, Sheila Johnson, Salamander Hospitality. And so she was going to continue to manage it, but she was selling to a local owner. So they wanted to just look and see, you know, were we doing all the right things? Was, you know, did we have the right staff? Was the right product? But it was it was amazing. Five star, five diamond property, five star dining room amazing wine list. I mean, spectacular. So I went up there for a little bit. Some good, you know, low cooking, low country cooking, uh, Charleston. I mean, probably, you know, Chicago's amazing food scene. New York's amazing food scene. Miami now is, is amazing, but Charleston, I mean, true farm to table cooking. It was, it was amazing. So that was a little gig. And then I started up at PGA, which was, you know, 3000 acres, five golf courses, 2,500 members, 400 room hotel and resort uh 10 different food and beverage outlets so it was i mean again something i hadn't done the, the club side of stuff so great opportunity to see that um we hosted the honda classic every year it's a pga tour event uh, did a huge renovation there reopened restaurants redid kitchens i mean i was there for almost three years but i mean the amount of stuff we got done in those three years amazing ownership group out of chicago walton street capital food and beverage director daryl wild joel page was the managing director i mean amazing team that just got stuff done and, and changed modernized that resort beyond recognition it was amazing yeah it's awesome to hear but then a, a familiar name comes calling right so yeah I, Jeffrey I went out, Klein yeah I, after yeah, after PGA had gone out, I'd done uh, same thing again. I'd gone out with new ownership to take over the Arizona Biltmore. It was in bankruptcy. New owners had come in. 
So actually, Chef Mark had, had got me that job. He was the corporate chef at that time with Hilton. Oh, right. I missed that part. So, you went to the Arizona, right? In between. Yeah, I yeah. went to Arizona, Biltmore, the Waldorf um, in Arizona, and it was you know spectacular. This is another 740-room um, Andrew, uh, you know, um, Frank Lloyd Wright, sorry, um, design building built in 1929. I mean, mm -hmm. spectacular, spectacular resort. So I went out there with new owners, um, you know, amazing. It was in bankruptcy right before I got there. New owners had bought it out of bankruptcy, doing about 30 million a year in F&B. First year I was there in 13, we did, I think, 39 million. Second year we did 45 million. Third year I was there, I think we did 52 million. That's so, crazy. I mean, amazing. And that was where we did, I mean, it was either us or the Phoenician that was doing all the black tie dinners in Phoenix. And I mean, it was just, I mean, some of the stuff we did, spectacular. And I'd say, yeah, 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 yeah. And then the chefs wanted to murder me because <laughs> that's 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 where we did the steak frites. That's where we, we did some, an ice tray with, I think there was caviar on there. There was shrimp. It was like a raw bar for each person, for 800 people for a, for a gala dinner. The waiters wanted to murder me because we were like, carry, carry four on a tray. They're like, it's too heavy. <laughs> it's like ridiculous. Like some of the stuff you say, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, Wright's restaurant there, a, a four-star restaurant, amazing award-winning wine list. I mean, that was amazing. So I was out there. Yeah, that's when Mr. Jeff Klein called and he's like, hey, I have this opportunity. I've just taken over as the GM at Turnberry. And I said, oh, you left Fountain Blue. And he said, oh, same company, same owners, but... Um, they're going to do a big renovation. You know, they're going to blow it up. It's going to become a 700 room resort. Are you, are you interested? And of course, my motto, yeah, it's just, you know, yeah. tell me all the details. I mm -hmm. went, I met up with them and I'm like, okay, it's a four, you know, it was a 400 room hotel, small 40,000 square feet of meeting space. So we went in, we did a renovation. Owners put $250 million into that renovation, added rooms, added banquet space, added restaurants, redid the lobby, redid the front drive. I mean, and, and it stayed open during all this time. It was amazing. And you added a, on their part. You added a water park. It was like gigantic. Added a, I mean, it was crazy. We added, a, we added a six acre, well, we had a large pool deck, but we added a six acre water park with seven slides, two restaurants. You know, that, that place did $16 million last year in the sort of middle of a pandemic, but it was, you know, unbelievable. So, you know, it's anchored, uh, bourbon uh, steak, which is a partnership between the owners and Michael Mina, amazing steakhouse. Corsair, which we opened in 14 with Scott Conant, we took it over then in 16 and we turned into, you know, American comfort food now. Um, the Starbucks we, we, we own and manage. And now we've, you know, we went from 40,000 square feet of meeting space to 125,000 square feet. Yeah. Um, you know, it's so, you know, you go from banquets, we were doing 10 million, you know, and it was nice that the guys all had the summer off. You got to be careful what you wish for, because all of a sudden now it's like, it's a $35 million operation, just banquet side alone. Members club, we've got a thousand members, two golf courses right across from the mall. I mean, it's aventure. I mean, it's a different world now. I mean, from, from the golf to the water park, to the, to the mall, to the, to the dining. I mean, it's, you talk about a, a resort that has everything for the family. It's unbelievable. You know, you mentioned all these great relationships that have kind of come along. You know, I always was wondering, you know, with Jeff calling you, you know, we only work with him shortly at the, at the Lowe's because he ended up leaving. I did. Uh, yeah. I worked with him for, for six months. So, but we'd always, we kept in touch after that. And, you know, he was at Fountain Blue. I was at Lowe's and we, you know, always just, just kept in touch. What's going on and how's this, how's that. When I was, even when I was, you know, in Arizona, came back here, we would meet up. And so I think it's all, it's all relationships. Same with myself and Chef Mark, same with um, a guy I worked with in New York. He was the assistant F&B director at Hyatt. He was at um, Arizona Biltmore. So he helped me get that job. So I think it's, it's all. And so I think some of these people have helped me. So, you know, I've tried to help people and reach out to people and make sure people get good advice that is, that is best for their careers you know so i think you know yeah i have an onus to to look after what's going on at turnbury but i also have a, an onus on the industry to make sure people well i don't have a sous chef opening especially you know during covid you know we closed down for a little bit and as we reopened places we didn't bring everyone back but we made sure people were working i got a sous chef a job across the street at the, the new hilton we got one of the chef de cuisine she got moved back to to dallas we made sure we gave her good reference and spoke to the to the fairmont where she was going she got an exec sous job there one of the senior sous at corsair we opened a, 
a residential property over in Sunny Isles, uh, Turnbury Ocean Club. He, we sent him over there as the chef. So it, I think it's constantly looking out for people. And, you know, I've been very fortunate through my career. People have looked out for me. Um, you make your own luck. You make your, your, your own way. But I wouldn't have done it on my own. I wouldn't have done it without a ton of people. The, the, the friend of mine who got me the job in Cayman, um, the chef who sent me to New York, Ellis, who, who recommended going to Lowe's, Jeff Klein. So the, I've been fortunate through my career of people who've, who've, who've helped me. So, you know, now as I move up through my career and I'm in a position to help people. And, and always, I mean, I remember at Lowe's, we, we started, remember, we had a club called the Explorers Club. Now we remember. Were, and we, we went to, you know, and again, just trying to get people to, hey, let's go out and what's going on at the Eden Rock? What's going on in the Fountain Blue? What's new and exciting on our doorstep? That, um, so just stuff like that, that is, it, it's the good part about the business. It's the hard part about the business because after you finish a, a 12 hour day, then you're going out with work people to explore something else and friends and family like are, you know, where are you? Hey, your, your, your work, your work <laughs> is over. Say, well, so it, it's sort of, you know, it's, it's a career, but it's, it's a way of life as well. It's a lifestyle it's, for uh, sure. 100%. And it's tough, you know, it's not, it's not easy. So, but it's, it's also fun, you know? It's a lot of fun. And, you know, I forgot about that club, but for people, for people listening, you always have to continue learning, you know, and I don't really talk much on this podcast, but that's something that I learned from you. And it's just triggered. I was like, let's start this club and we'll go to a hotel or restaurant. And every time we go there, we'll invite that person who works there to come with us. And we had gotten it to a decent size. And then we all went our different ways and continued our journeys, but it was something cool that really showed me Hey, get out of your bubble. Yeah, and, because sometimes and I think at that bubble. at that time as well, I think that was '09. I mean, there was Miami was changing. I mean, there was the the Epic had opened, the Viceroy had opened, Eden Rock had done a renovation, Fountain Blue. So there was a whole new lot of stuff to go out there. So you know, what else is going on? What's new in food and beverage? What are, you know? It was the beginning of the 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 revived cocktail world as well. So what was going on at the W Hotel and what was going on at Satai? And, and there was people doing stuff that Miami hadn't seen. I know. We tried to copy and paste it, and I got in trouble for bringing liquid nitrogen to the bar at the Lowe's and someone burning them out. <laughs> <laughs> but, hey, we had to try out some cool stuff. you got to try it, you know, and some things yeah. work. And I think that's one of the things with this business is you got to try stuff and uh, try it. And if it doesn't work, but keep it in your back pocket because just because it doesn't work today doesn't mean that it won't work a year from now or 10 years from now, you know. That's true. So now you're at – one of the mega resorts in the country, right? Gigantic place. And you've worked at all different size places, but usually a lot of big places now later in your career. You know, what's the biggest difference? Is there a big difference from being in a giant place versus like a peninsula? Right. I mean, I think that, yeah, I mean, the peninsula was, you know, it was small. I had 20 cooks. And I remember one time the, the, the night manager called me, it was two o'clock in the morning. He said, oh, one of the, you know, the breakfast cook called off. And I said, okay, can you do me a favor? Can you see if you can call, you know, this guy or this guy? So, and, and called me back and let me know. So he called me back and he said, I've got good news and I've got bad news. And I said, okay, what's the good news? He said, the good news, I was able to speak to a couple of people. I said, oh, great. He said, I said, what's the bad news? He says, they're not coming in. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, I'll see you in a couple of hours. I'll be the breakfast cook at 5 a.m. Whereas now, I mean, I've got, you know, even now in the pandemic or after the pandemic, everyone's short staffed. Well, I've got 120 between chefs, sous chefs, and cooks, we've got 120 in the in. We operate through nine different kitchens, so but 120 people. We're still a little bit short from where we were pre-pandemic. I think we're about 150, and then another 50 stores. I mean, we've got big operation, but we do. I mean, we do our own burger buns in house. We do our own gelato in house. We do our own pasta in house. We do our own pizza dough in house. So it's you know we have great control. We do all our own desserts. So we have full service pastry kitchen, full service bakery. And then each kitchen, bourbon steak, Corsair, banquets, garmage, main kitchen production. The pool has its own kitchen. Members club has its own kitchen. So it's, you know, it's, it's a big responsibility and it's, a, it's a lot of fun. But I think one of the things as well is it's not every day is completely different. So, which is what I love, you know, you go in there and it could be banquets. It could be member events. It could be restaurants. I mean, it's, it's a lot of fun. Uh, and there's room then, there's there's a lot more room to grow people. So now we have, you know, 19 chefs and sous chefs. So opportunity for them to grow into the next role. Um, whereas in smaller places, sometimes you, you don't have that opportunity. That's true. No, you've built a great team there. And for the listeners, if you haven't seen what it looks like, go online, check it out. 
um, because it is a beautiful place. And I, I listen, I've grown up down here and I didn't really go back until recently when you invited me over to see all the new renovations. He walked me through the banquets and the kitchens and just everything that's new and the water park on six acres is unbelievable. So it's just amazing what people's creativity and and ideas can make. Yeah. And our own, I mean, ownership group is amazing. It's, it's family owned. So we're a, we're a franchise and, you know, some stuff Bill Marriott had never done his corporate, his, um, you know, board of directors meeting anywhere other than, than a Marriott. They came to us in, in 19, they came back again this year. So, you know, again, as a, as a franchise, as a JW, it's, it's been spectacular. Some of the stuff that we've been able to do, um, Marriott masters, some, some amazing groups through there. Um, and it's just, it's, it's been surprising the growth that we've seen out of the pandemic. I mean, we did right after the pandemic, we closed right after we closed down in, in March of 20, we did meals to go. And again, another one, one of our members, he owns a company called Deliverlean. So he was like, can you, you help? I've got the contract. I'm going to do meals to go for the elderly in Miami Dade because the daycare centers are closed down. So, um, I said, sure, we, we can do that. How many meals do you want to do? He said, can you do 10,000 meals a day? So of course we said yes. Yes. <laughs> so yes. Yeah. Then we so we bring back people and then we're we're we have a few days to prep and we're like so we brought back eighty people between cooks, stewards, um, front front of house setup and we did ten thousand meals a day, and we said okay how much you know so they they paid for the food we ordered it through them they delivered it they brought the containers in and we cooked and and boxed up the food put it into laundry bins wrapped it up 10,000 meals a day they picked up. We did 10,000 meals every day for the first month. So that was through sort of April and the beginning of May, dropped to about 9,000. We did that for 10 months. We served over 2 million meals. And I think because of that, we got our people back to work quickly. We had people there working. We were able to communicate with them. So even though not everywhere was open, the banquets wasn't open, um, Water Park was open, Corsair just opened on weekends, Bourbon did five days, but we had staff coming back and it was amazing. We, you know, 80 people back to work right away and we brought people back. So everyone that was there pre-pandemic came back, except, I mean, there was a few people, of course, that moved out of town and stuff like that, but that was, that was amazing. But that's the, you know, that's Jeff Klein, that's the owners, that's the, you know, entrepreneurial spirit that, that, that resort has was, it was amazing. We fed Aventura people. Amazing. Aventura PD for, for 45 days. Um, you know, and we had a good year last year. We did 39 million in food and beverage. You know, we had a better year last year than my best year at Lowe's. So you think, you know, half of the year was shot, but just the, you know, what's going on and the, the membership support and the locals in the community, you know, the love of that resort and Bourbon State and Corsair, I mean, unbelievable. Yeah, listen, I, I love that place. I hadn't seen it. And then after I saw you, I was back there back-to-back weeks, four weeks in a row. Right. <laughs> to come yeah. back and see you. <laughs> so, you know, you've mentioned all these things. You've been all over the world. Your career has been at all these amazing hotels. You've worked with great people, including me. Uh, <laughs> and, <laughs> but looking back, right, if you were going to talk to young Gordon at the dishwashing pit with the Pirates in Dublin, mm-hmm. what advice would you give him if he was starting today? I, I think the him? same sort of almost that my parents said is that, you know, you want to do do whatever you want to do, but, but, you know, you've got to put effort in, you've got to put work in and you've got to work with the best people and in the best places to be the best. You know, the guys who are, are, you know, on the minor league teams, they're, they're not in the world series, you know, so work with the best people, um, ask questions, certainly in, in the culinary world. I mean, I know it's hard to say, and it's hard to do, but the first five, six years, you can't worry about the money. If you take jobs for the money, you know, and not taking the best job, you're, you're going to get stuck at some point the the doors are going to close and you're not going to get the jobs that are, are the better jobs that are out there. You know, if I worked, if I took a job at the best paying job at the time, if I had worked for some pub in Ireland, I wouldn't be at Turnberry today. That's for sure. I wouldn't have got the job at Peninsula, you know, and I wouldn't have got the job at Peninsula if I hadn't worked in Michelin star places in Ireland. And I wouldn't have got the job probably at Turnberry if I hadn't done PGA with the resort and at the club experience, you know? So it's, so all of these experiences count, but every job you take, it opens up new doors, but it does close doors. If you and me went and worked at McDonald's today, I'm sure we'd learn a ton of stuff and would open up some doors, but it sure as hell would close a lot of doors too. Yep. That's great advice. And, you know, really. Yeah, seek, you know, ask people, people that you trust and people that you, you, that are your mentors, ask them for advice. 
And when they're telling you, I mean, a lot of times we tell cooks this, or we tell Sue's that, and they, they do the opposite stuff. And then they come back six months later and say, oh, do you have a job? And I'm like, yeah, sure. And we'll take people back. I mean, I'm not one that say, you know, I told you so, but it's like, we know what we're doing. So if we tell you something, it's not going to, it's not, doesn't make sense to do it. And it's $5,000 more, you know, but sometimes you have to, you have to learn yourself. I'm, I'm sure we didn't always take everyone's advice either. No, but I think what you hit and it was advice given to me, work with the best, keep with top brands, keeping that top tier because it really does yeah. open up all the doors. Um, if you can be there and if you are not yeah. in those places, just be around great mentors. Right. And people will, will take good care of you yeah. and, and give back when you can. But yeah. where can people connect with you to learn more, talk to you if they got questions? What's the best place to connect? Is it just I'm your... on I'm linked, LinkedIn is is there and you, you certainly can give out my cell or email, but LinkedIn on there, shoot me a note. Um happy to help. Well, Chef Gordon, you know I love you, man. I appreciate you doing this podcast with me. I got oh, to, it's to been, laugh it's a lot. Good to, <laughs> it's, it's always been fun, you know, from the days we worked together was was and that's the thing as well, you know it's the hospitality business it's not we're not you know we're not saving lives we can change lives we can get you know dishwashers into into good roles but you know the, the goal is to have fun it's 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 about having fun it's about doing you know using good product working with good people but you know we had a lot of fun working together we had a lot of fun and a lot of great memories i have are with you a lot that i don't remember maybe some of them but uh, <laughs> we had some good ones man well chef sure. i appreciate it man i'm gonna come by and see you soon awesome. and for everyone Absolutely. listening go check out the website check out the jw marriott at turnberry it's a great place you won't regret visiting so thanks again chef thank you thank you this podcast is brought to you by biscayne coffee biscayne coffee was founded with a giving spirit and a big idea to enjoy delicious coffee roasted in Miami while helping save Biscayne Bay and the animals that live there. As a former food and beverage director, I can assure you these are some of the best quality beans on the planet. 10% of every coffee sold is donated to nonprofits to help preserve Biscayne Bay for all to enjoy. Visit BiscayneCoffee.com today and use promo code MENTOR at checkout to save 10% on your first order. Drink good coffee and create a good outcome. This podcast is a Hospitality.fm production.